Guess what, everybody? The Atlanta Braves are still world champions. How are you feeling, Jack? Woo-hoo! We're actually going to talk to someone who helped bring you in to the environment at Truist Park. That interview coming up next. Jack, how excited are you for this one? I'm very excited. And not only that, this is a familiar face if you watch News 3. So stick around and join us for a while. This is on your sidelines. When the final buzzer sounds, the game is over, but their story isn't. Time to hang out on the sidelines and learn the real stories of these sports icons. Welcome to the On Your Sidelines podcast with the News 3 sports team. Bringing in everybody, welcome to the On Your Sidelines podcast, this new edition, a really special one. But before we get into our guest, who is a familiar face, as Jack mentioned, time for that t-shirt check. Jack, who you got? First things first, man, you're not going to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Rex Castillo, by the way. And I'm Jack Patterson, man. Some people may not know who we are. The intro had our names in it. It's fine. I mean, but they don't know which one's Rex and which one's Jack. Jack Patterson is the one in the gray shirt. Okay. <laughs> goodness gracious, man. There's a format. He's the this. professional to this. Oh, goodness. Anyway, t-shirt check time. I am rocking with the Beauregard Hornets. Their football team under first-year head coach Justin Jones with a fantastic season, a real foundation builder for that program and you look they can do some really good things in the years to come so we'll be looking out for the hornets in the future rex who are you rocking today going with the chatco panthers speaking on the beauregard hornets again a team that won the state title just a few years ago but something special being built at the gold rush that is chatco congratulations to pierre coffee for those guys to make the playoffs very competitive in single eight guys though time to meet our guests you know one from news three this morning and the pregame host for the atlanta braves one Blake Eason. Blake, thank you so much for joining us, man. Happy to be here. I feel like I need to find the exit after hearing that open roll. I'm the <laughs> furthest thing from a sports icon. I hope to God you don't ask me any sports related <laughs> questions. Uh, but before you can ask me any, I'll go ahead and do a t-shirt check because uh, yeah, go ahead. Go as, ahead. Go ahead. As you said, shall I let you say it again? Yeah, just go, go for Braves it. Are... In the year of our Lord 2021, your Atlanta Braves are still World Series you champions. You love to see it. Let's go. In, I think I got to take the whole jacket off. Yeah, there you go. Here we go. Here we go. Blake, it's so- a beautiful sight. <laughs> let's oh. let's start at what happened just recently. What was that like? What was oh, that man. parade like? Just- Dude, the parade fell on my 25th birthday, and the running joke in my family is it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Nothing is going to get better than this. Um, I didn't know when the parade would fall, how it would happen. We were only told that if it happened that basically they had about a 48-hour window to get a parade in and out. Um, oh, wow. And so no one knew when it was going to happen. Um, and then, of course, it fell on that Friday, and that was my birthday. Um, you know, the running joke all season was, hey, you know, we could be playing baseball in November if this thing goes to the World Series. Uh, and depending upon when you heard that observation, especially if it was in July, you quickly said, yeah, right. That's <laughs> yeah. not happening. <laughs> um, but then it ended up happening, dude. And, man, that parade, by far one of the best moments of my entire life. I mean, there were so many people from Atlanta to Cobb County. The fact that they did two portions of the parade, um, you kind of thought maybe people would be split 50-50. No. Atlanta had their crowd. Cobb County had their crowd. I don't even remember the exact numbers, but I did think I, think I heard it was north of a million people, which when you factor in a million people, that is a number I can't really wrap my mind around. So, man, it, it's been amazing. So kind of take us behind the scenes, you know, you starting your career with the Atlanta Braves. Tell us how that all came about. Dude, it's actually a crazy story. So in 2020, 
Um, a good friend of mine, Greer Howard, held the position that I had this past season for six years. And so uh, she's kind of been like a mentor of mine for quite some time. Uh, reached out to her when she said that she was not returning. And I said, hey, is it cool if I audition for this? Would you help me for it? She said, absolutely. I'd love to help you. And so started the audition process at the beginning of 2020. Uh, went about uh, a couple of weeks in, had a couple of meetings, and then suddenly the pandemic set in. And at the time, depending upon when that set in, you know, wherever you were, you thought maybe this thing might be a week, might be a two weeks, might be a, you know, a month, uh, and then we should be back by the summer. And so that kind of kept prolonging it. They couldn't make a decision, obviously, because you didn't know if fans were going to be able to gather what that was going to look like. Finally, at the end of the summer of 2020, they said, hey, look, no fans are going to be allowed in the stands. And so essentially the position kind of dissolved that year. And when you talk about crushed, I just was like, are you kidding me right now? This is a dream position. Uh, obviously, it's the hometown sports team. And it, it's kind of a, as an entertainment host, you don't really find opportunities like that often. Um, one that mixes in uh, sports, but you're not really you know required to have this in-depth sports analysis because uh, I made that very clear during the interview process. <laughs> Do not ask me anything about sports analysis. And um, but, you know, really it's one of those positions that highlights the entertainment of the ballpark, the food, the people, the experiences, um, all centered around, you know, the Atlanta Braves. So it really was a dream a dream uh, position. And then to watch it go away, you know, I kind of had to make peace with the fact of this could be it. You know, it, it's probably not going to come back around. And at the time, uh, I only was working a part-time job. So I said, all right, time to put the big boy pants on. I got to go find a job. And that was when I started applying to local news outlets all across the country. I thought, you know what? Now's the time. That's the one thing that's consistent. People are watching the news. And so started applying to jobs all over the country. Uh, the only station that called me back that ended up eventually hiring me was Channel 3, WRBL. I couldn't get a call back from a single station um, across the country, which is something that, you know, is very common in our business. You yeah. know, when you, it, you just need that one opportunity. But man, is it exhausting sending those emails, <laughs> connecting with people on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. applying for the job. And not hearing a single thing back. I wish our business would at least say, hey, we received it, but no. No. <laughs> but no. Not, not on to the next kind right. of thing. Because the, the fact that you, when you don't hear anything, you're like, is it even going through? Is my Wi-Fi that bad? Like, <laughs> Did I email the wrong person? <laughs> right. Did that person exactly. I emailed fired? Exactly. So um, anyways, Columbus called back, and this turned out to be awesome. And quite frankly, it was the only one. So I, it's not <laughs> Which, like. That's why it's awesome. Right. Yes. It's <laughs> like I didn't have any options. Uh, and I remember I came out here. I met, I met you, Jack, and you kind of gave me a tour of the station and kind of gave me a little bit of the history of the station. And I just was like, man, this place is really, really special. Picked up on that the very first time I came here, mm -hmm. uh, talked to Phil Scoggins for quite some time. Um, and you could just kind of feel that it was a very, uh, had a very homey feel. And that was one thing you and I talked about, Jack, um, when I came down for the, for the interview. And then that happened. Um, and then through a series of crazy events, started out as a weekend anchor, uh, weekday reporter, which obviously, as you know, that's a bit of a crazy schedule. You don't really get to make the rules. Nope, <laughs> you, not, not you at just, that point. Nope. nope. You just show up. And yeah. you're like, all right, here we go. We, 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 <laughs> Where in the DMA am I going today? Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Weekends, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, great. Wonder what I'll do on those days. Uh, maybe go to Best Buy. I don't know. Uh, so anyways, um, that happens. I do that for a couple months. And then uh, an opportunity comes up for the morning anchor came available and auditioned for that. 
uh, interviewed for it, and somehow that thing happened. And suddenly, I uh, begin to go to bed at 7 p.m. and <laughs> wake up at 2 a.m. So and you're falling asleep before your parents at this point? <laughs> yes. No, I tell my mom, like, hey, if you want to talk, call me when you get off work. Like, I'm talking 5 o'clock. Like, mm-hmm. it's about a window you got there. And, and God forbid if I'm in the shower, it's a done deal. It's a wrap. We'll talk the next day. Um, so anyways, that happens. And then um, January comes around, and uh, I think a friend from the Braves reached out and said, hey, What's your status? Where, you know, where are you at? I said, hey, I'm in Columbus. I said, but I have an idea. Hear me out. Technically, I get off work at 12 p.m., 12.30 on a, on a crazy day. Uh, it only takes an hour and a half to get to Truist Park if we're not considering traffic, right. which we should probably consider traffic. Yeah, that's times. not in the pitch, though. But that's not in the pitch. No, 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 no. You get, you're following where I'm going here. <laughs> so uh, I said, technically, I could be there at the latest by 3 o'clock. So what time does the job start? He's like, job starts at 4 o'clock, so you got an hour buffer. I'm like, great. We'll stop by and get coffee. We'll stop by and get some food. We'll be good to go. He was like, you know, this would be a really big commitment for you. And it's like, eh, I'm 24 years old. Big commitment. Yeah. You got, we'll sleep later. And so uh, he's like, all right, well, if you're interested, we'll invite you to audition and because we are bringing it back this year. And I said, all right, cool. So I went through the audition process. Uh, and can we just talk about the audition process? Sure, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We wanted to break this down completely because how do you in the world do you get to that part? So audition, it was by far the most intense audition I've ever participated really? in. And okay. that says a lot about our business because our business is pretty intense as is in general. Mm-hmm. This one showed up, met with Jesse, who was the manager of that department, and she says, all right, so here it is. Audition is going to be broken into two parts. One is going to be live, uh, no retakes. The second part is going to be live to tape. So basically you could retake it as many times as you want to, very similar to how we do stand-ups. Yeah. But you got to get it all the way through at least one at least one of those times. And so she said, all right, so are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So she's like, all right, here we go. Uh, Home Depot tool race. Uh, as soon as I hand you the mic, you're going to hear a countdown, and then you're going to start going. So if you're good, here you go. And then the countdown started. You had oh my God. no time to prepare. Uh, thank goodness I've watched a lot of Home Depot tool race, tool <laughs> races to know who's coming out and kind of the order in which they go. Yeah. And so, um, and you can kind of watch, like there was a video playback of one of the real races. So essentially you're watching it happen and you're ad-libbing and just kind of hosting the moment yeah. as if it would happen in, in a game. So uh, you do that, no retakes, none. So you mess up, you keep going. Yeah. And that's it. So did that one. That was yeah, that gets the adrenaline going, you know. And then we leave there. We go to the clubhouse store. She says, "Okay, this is going to be live to tape. You're going to find, um, you know, a couple different items in the store that you want to talk about. Um, you're going to open it, talk about the items, and close out however you see fit. Okay, are you ready?" And it's like, uh, "Not really, but yeah, we'll go for it." <laughs> ready as I'm gonna be. Exactly. And so uh, we do that, and uh, that was that was it. And then we go and uh, had a, like. One final piece of the interview, which is very standard, you know, question answer kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that was the end. And um, I kind of thought, all right, I gave it my best shot, but at that point, for me, it was like, all right, I got a chance to come back and re-audition. So of course, I'll be sad if it doesn't work out, but at least there's closure in a sense of like I wasn't forgotten about. I was still given a chance to come back when the position returned, um, because you know, so many people lost things during COVID that and that didn't come back. That also. didn't come back, and so it was like for me, I felt lucky in a sense of at least the audition came back. And so went through with it. And then about two weeks later, I think it was like maybe uh, either the week of there, because the Braves were on the road at the beginning right, of the yeah. season. I want to say it was that week. So, I mean, you talk about down to the wire of like, you know, when you get Quick the turnaround. Call. Yeah. Um, and so there we are. And then so that that started the journey of the past six months. And uh, 
I keep telling people now I'm in hibernation. Uh, <laughs> I'm catching up on all the sleep I missed for the past six months. But it's been uh, it's been a whirlwind, a really great whirlwind, might I add. You had oh, Jack, you want to no, go? No, go ahead, go ahead, man. As a pregame host, a lot of people can, as a fan, can almost take that experience for granted. When you have someone come in, really help set the energy. But I notice that if you have a great pregame host, a great environment, I get more excited for the game. Do you take a lot of responsibility and ownership in that? Oh, my gosh, 100%. But you also, too, want to balance it well. My biggest thing is I never want to be the annoying guy on the microphone who just doesn't stop talking because we've all been to events where we've seen that guy or yeah. that person. Yeah. And it's just not fun. It's like, you know, who are you talking on the microphone for? Is it for the fans or is it for yourself? So my thing was like finding a good balance in between um, and kind of working with our entertainment teams. And they're just such professionals from the top to the bottom from, you know, obviously the heavy hitters, the breakers. The Braves have been doing fan entertainment for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And so a position like this, you just kind of come in and just listen and just, you know, do what you're told and kind of navigate it and bring a bit of your personality to it the best you can. But a lot of that was kind of already formulated and it just kind of worked out well. But I would definitely say so. And you could kind of feel it like on those like really important, you know, division games and, you know, certain certain really pivotal moments of the season. Um where fans are just riled up, they're they're ready to go. But then also, too, reading the room, you know, on a Tuesday night when folks are getting off work, it's you know, it's it's not going to be the same level of energy, but it's still your responsibility to cast the vision of where we're going, why the game matters, you know, and 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 how you can win a free T-shirt if you want one. You know? <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, kind of take us through your first time on the big board at Truist Park. You know, it's funny. We do so basically pulling the curtain back a little bit. You get there around like three ish, and depending on your schedule for the day, you'll pre film all of your segments so if you're hearing this pretend it's all live okay sorry <laughs> um, and but i will say some of them are live um but in it's in a time where we pre-film them you'll go around ballpark you'll pre-film all your features uh and then i would go to the plaza but obviously as you know the plaza that is all live so the way the job works typically i'm still on the plaza doing the plaza pregame show when the pregame elements are airing in the in the ballpark and so finally after that first homestand I went to my boss Jesse I said hey can we carve out like five minutes so I can just at least go inside the stadium and see what it looks like on the big screen because I hadn't even seen it yet but friends and family who were at that first homestand were sending me pictures of it and it's like Holy, holy crap. <laughs> I've always been told my head is big, but God, it isn't big on that big screen. Um, and so, I, funny enough, you know, it, it, you didn't even get a chance to go in there because of the way the schedule worked out. Yeah. But finally, you know, there are some days you're, you know, you got downtime so you can go in there. And it, I mean, it really is, it really is crazy, man. Just hearing it and, you know, uh, seeing it on, on Braves Vision. And then obviously remembering going to Braves games as a kid, watching the host or whoever was on the, um, the big screen at the time. And it, I mean, it really is just, it, it's kind of one of those pinch me moments. You're like, I don't know how long I'll get to do this, but I am going to be so glad about it for a while it's here. You know what I mean? Your shift from the morning show, taking, uh, taking some time to breathe on the drive to Atlanta. What were, how did you fight off sleep? Or was it just uh, adrenaline once you stepped foot at Truist Park? Full transparency. I think I definitely had a panic attack in May. Uh, oh I was boy. like, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to, I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, just because of just the lack of sleep you're getting, you know, I mean, I mean, dude, we're getting up at, get up at two 30 in the morning, get here at three 30 in the morning, do the show from five to seven, get off work at noon. And, you know, I, I finally found time about halfway through the season to go home and take a quick 30 minute nap and get coffee. That worked wonders. But, you know, you drive up there, you get there by three o'clock, do all your filming, you get done by seven, drive back to Columbus. I get back in Columbus, eight 39, go to bed, wake up at 2.30, doing all over again consistently. 
uh, you're getting about four to five hours of sleep realistically. And that's just not enough to, you know, sustain anything. And so uh, a lot of naps in between. Nice. Um, but I mean, I think you're running off adrenaline at that point. And the best part about it is it's not every day. So with a homestand, you know, you might have a 10 game homestand or a seven game homestand. Um, if it stretches through the weekend, you can kind of recuperate on Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. So really it was only a couple three to four game back to backs that were the most challenging. But man, are you talking about a lack of sleep now these days? I'm like, I can't, I can't sleep enough. Rex, you you saw that live in action today. I said, Hey, man, um, I think I gotta miss lunch. I yeah. can't wake up. And so. it was, I was like, you know what? I need Blake a hundred percent for the podcast because if he's halfway through and just uh, what? Right. Considering this is my bedtime, so there, fair. There you go. Point. Close enough. But <laughs> no, nah, dude, running off adrenaline, um, and you know, you kind of just it just it's like any, any of those things, man. It's like you know, it's it's you just gotta adjust to the new routine and the schedule and. Uh, but I do not miss 285 at all. <laughs> Gosh, I don't who, do, who, who does miss 285? Like, Gosh. nobody goes to Atlanta and say, hey, man, I really One thing I can't wait to do is go to 285. I know. <laughs> really, like, I really I enjoyed my ride on 285. I mean, goodness, it's just the worst. So uh, I'm saying helicopter for Blake. Where we're just pitching that out there, just manifest hey, into the universe. Let's speak it into the universe. <laughs> we spoke the World Series into the universe. That's so actually exactly. very true. Very true. Very true. <laughs> At this one, I'm saying everything. Add a million dollars while we're there. there exactly. I'm with you on that one, man. So, you know, obviously, you know, we know each, we, we know your story here. We work with you. We work with colleague. But for a lot of people who don't know, you know, your backstory, well, tell them a little bit about, you know, where you came from, and, you know, how you, and how the fact that you ended up in the position you're in right now. Oh, man, goodness, how long do we have? How long does this podcast run for? <laughs> we got time, brother. We got time. We got time, man. <laughs> um, so grew up in Warner Robins, Georgia. That's middle Georgia, about two hours south of Atlanta. Um, went to school there. Grew up there my entire life. Went the Shout to, out to the 478. Hey, Northside High School. Uh, <laughs> go Eagles. State championship. Cha- state go. champions, 2014. Graduated in 2015. Uh, proud fun fact. Our football team won the state championship in 2014. Our one-act theater program won the state championship in 2014. Looking at me, you can quickly identify who I belong with. <laughs> punt returner, punt returner for the for the Eagles, right? I sure. was going for kicker, but <laughs> gladly, maybe quarterback. Depending on, hey, you know, yeah, yeah, I don't know. He's got he got a championship ring, people. That's all that matters. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, there we go. Exactly, and I do have that one. And, there you and, go. And it's protected at all costs. <laughs> uh, but no, our our high school was awesome, man. You know, the football team wholeheartedly supported the theater program. The theater kids, we were the ones leading the naked nest, as we called it, where we paint up <laughs> for the uh, for the football games on Friday night. So really was an awesome hometown and uh, end up going to school uh, at Kennesaw State University, wanted to go to UGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, my academic advisor said, hey, with all due respect, just save your application money. Do not apply. You will never, ever get in with a GPA like that. Ouch. And I said, you don't know my life. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I, t- I saved the money, went to Kennesaw State, turned out to be a really great experience. And then honestly, bro, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, w- I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. I thought I wanted to, to major in business kind of went around the block trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to major in, finally found journalism, and it was kind of like it all hit me at once, like, wow, this is awesome. You get to tell stories. Um, You get to tell stories for different mediums, whether that's radio, TV, news, uh, whatever the case may be. And so um, I knew I always loved stories and talking to people. And so once I found it, I thought, man, this is awesome. And so kind of wholeheartedly ran in that direction. Um, At that point in time, I knew that I was a couple um, semesters behind folks who had majored in that, you know, at, at UGA who right. have, you know, the likes of Grady behind them. And so my thought process was, well, if I, if my, you know, if the education, which Kennesaw has a really great growing journalism program, but 
I can't tell you how many times I'd go to an interview and the person who went to Grady would get it. And it's just, you know, it's kind of how that, the, the way it how works, the universe works, yeah. works sometimes. And yeah. so I thought, I've got to change my approach. I'm not going to beat them on this front. So maybe I can be, you know, maybe I can be more competitive on the internship front. And so I made it a mission to get an internship in every single department of journalism before I graduated. I wanted a radio internship, a TV internship, a local news internship. And once I did all three, I would then go back for a second one on the one I loved the most. That was my strategy going into it. And so I did a radio internship at a radio station in Atlanta called The Burt Show. It's a uh, morning kind of reality-based radio show from 6 to 10 in the morning. And it really, um, they give interns a great opportunity to submit personal stories and kind of talk about things that are going on in your life. And if you're open to sharing, um, you can talk about it. And uh, I found a lot of success in that. Um, you know, from either getting prank called or, you know, getting sent <laughs> on crazy adventures. Um, it was just something to talk about on the radio. And so I did that. And, you know, as it was coming to an end, I thought, okay, next up on the list, I want to intern um, at a TV station. Um, I'll kind of quickly tell this story, but I had an internship. I got the internship at WSB TV in Atlanta, which wow. is, you know, a really great yes. TV station in Atlanta. And the week of Thanksgiving, actually, probably to this day, probably three or four years ago, uh, I got the call that the internship was canceled indefinitely. Wow. And so you talk about crushed. It's like, it just speaks to the fact of you guys know this in this business. There are so many setbacks. And I really do think that this business is all about who is, who, who it, it goes to the one uh, or the people who decide to get back up because there are so many that you're just like, man, it just knocks the wind out of yourself. So um, anyway, so that got, that was canceled. Um, and then at the time I didn't know this was happening, but you know, the internship at the radio station comes to an end. I get a call from Bert, and he says, hey, I want to bring you on as a part-time producer. Um, Are you willing to come back? And I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. So I ended up doing that for two years, uh, interned at CNN um, after I graduated, and I would say that was when I was bit by the TV bug of just the fast-paced environment of being in a control room, you know, being in a – working with producers uh, in that internship, you run the prompter, depending on what your shift, your shift assignment is, either you're running the prompter, which I still to this day think is one of the coolest things ever to know that I <laughs> ran the prompter for, you know, Jake Tapper or, you know, Wolf Blitzer. And yeah, that goes on the resume. Yeah. That goes on the yeah. resume. 100%. Uh, also I was starting not to get political and we won't go down this road, but I was starting in an impeachment trial. So, you know, to wow, be that's in a when control you started? intern. Yeah. So you're in a control room. Wow. Um, also to uh, love everyone at CNN, they're very kind people, but you do not go by your name. You go by prompter. So (laughs) prompter. So, uh, yeah, my middle name is prompter. Um, so anyways, I did that. And then that was when I was bit by the TV bug and I thought, man, I want to do whatever it takes to to work in TV. I don't care if that means moving to the middle of nowhere, um, and going to a small market. And conveniently enough, this small market is only, you know, an hour and a half from Atlanta, an hour from home in Ron Robbins. So I got really lucky, uh, in, in, in that sense. So, um, that was kind of a quick journey in the professional side of things, if you will. It seems like, again, with setbacks at the, at the internship, setbacks at the Braves, um, pregame host opportunity, it, it, the grind and perseverance that you have has really paid off. Is that something that you would pass on to someone else who, who even thinks about getting into this business? 100%. I mean, it's definitely my DNA. I mean, I grew up, parents divorced at age four. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a split household. You know, obviously there are pros and cons that come that come with that. But I also think, it, you know, it, if you're willing to allow it to mold you into who you are, you know, it, there are a lot of things you can learn from that. My mom uh, is a recovering addict. You know, she is now uh, eight years sober. That's I believe, amazing. Awesome. That's amazing. She's incredible. And so, 
I think being raised by a woman like that, you're just taught to look at life through the lens of I won't give up, I won't be defeated. You know, um, it, it's never too late to turn things around and to create the life that you want. And so, uh, I'm also a person of faith too. And so, I think that when you mix all that inter- intertwine with life experiences, you know, I think it's when you get into this business, you make the decision. I love this. You know, not a lot of people get to do it. A lot of people want to do it. And so if I'm going to be one of the lucky ones to get a chance to pursue it, I'm going to give it all that I got because who knows, you know, how long we're, we're going to be around to, to pursue it. And so it's, it's fun. Um, we all can uh, admit it is very stressful. Um, a lot of tired nights, a lot, a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee, a lot of naps, and not a, enough sleep. But yep, you know it. it How it, much fun is this job? Right? It, exactly. <laughs> it's like I don't know if we're selling it or not. But uh, <laughs> fine, just stay away. We'll keep all the fun. Stuff. Uh, you don't need no. to come over here. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> we're fine. It's it's full. It's full. Uh, but we are hiring a producer if you want to apply for a producer. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless. Blake plug. is a professional. People, <laughs> you love to see it. Jack, go ahead, man. So, anyways, man, it, it, I think it's a business that it just kind of you know the measure of a man is you know how many more times are you going to get back up so Amen. absolutely man so as you st- are going through your se- the season with the Braves here when did you f- kind of feel like you started hitting your strides oh gosh probably I would say around the all-star break you know mm-hmm. that's everyone kind of looks at that as like the halfway point of the season and it's very much a halfway point you know for us of just you know when you're the dog days of summer you just want a break um, the all-star break was not as relaxing as we probably preferred for it to be, you know, when we saw our best player go down and it was just yeah. that. completely that. heartbreaking to kind of, you know, watch that moment happened on TV. They were away at the time, if I remember correctly. They were and, at Miami. Yep. And you're just like, all right, so what does this mean for us? But just getting a chance to pause and reflect, um, I would say that was kind of where I hit my stride. You know, so much of it too, when you follow somebody um, that was in the role for six years. I mean, gosh, Greer is so good at what she does. And right. so naturally, I think there's this ability of like, well, can I be like Greer? And it's like, you know, Greer is great, but you also want to be like Blake and you want to bring your own flair to it. And you want to bring your own personality, but also getting more comfortable with it. You know, I think there's part of me too that was like, I am not a sports broadcaster. Right. I, I don't want to be a sports broadcaster, but when you're surrounded by them, you kind of feel like you're less than because you don't know all that they know, but the position doesn't really require you to know that. Um, and so just trying to get comfortable with what I brought to the table and felt confident with, you know, with what I brought about it. And, you know, if I'm going to talk about a hamburger, I'm going to talk about this hamburger <laughs> and make everybody and their mom come purchase it, you know, cause it's just that dang good. Um, and so just, you know, becoming more comfortable with the ins and the outs of the stadium and the team and, um, and, and just the, the talking points that are required of the job, I'd say about halfway through. Best thing to get at Truist Park. Oh gosh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I would say one thing that people don't get often are the chicken tacos oh okay man are they good and the best part is they can be found if you want okay yeah you, open you, the can you know you okay so chicken tacos anywhere in the ballpark you can right. find them at a lot of the different you know food food concessions around the ballpark if you're in the infinity club if you're looking for budget friendly option I which would say we all are pizza yes. you can get a personal pan pizza for eight bucks it's fresh out the oven uh eat half of it for lunch half of it for dinner um that's always really good yes what else is good at Truist Park? Oh man! Any I'm, dessert wise, anything? If you have a sweet tooth. Um, oh yes. Um, oh gosh, Steel City Pops. I had to think about the name. They would kill me if they heard this. I love you guys. Steel <laughs> City Pops, located in the Coca Cola Corner. Really, really great. They're kind of hidden, and the best part about them being hidden, unfortunately, is there's oftentimes not a line there. Um, and so it's kind of a secret thing. Um, you can get an ice cream 
Uh, you can get a popsicle dipped in chocolate with sprinkles. You just have to try it. See, oh. this is why we brought Blake, dude, so we can get the cheat codes around Truist Park. Oh, this is amazing. I have them. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what they say, Rex. Sprinkles are for winners. Yeah, only for winners. Only for winners. Yes. <laughs> but honorary World Series champion. Are we going to talk about it? I'm going, no. I'm going home. I'm going home. We're going to stay there. <laughs> All right, we'll no, but get to that. Let's actually, but starting down that road, we see you when you go down. But before we get into the ins and outs of the, of the results, you're obviously around this the sport for 100 plus days, all yep. the way to the World Series run. When you started learning about it and started being comfortable about it, was there like, oh my gosh, I'm having an, an intelligent and actual engaging conversation about baseball. I had a conversation with Blake like right before the, the World Series started or like, hey, if they could do this, this is what happened. I'm like, Blake knows baseball. Dude, it was, uh, yeah. Uh, as someone who had a difficult time separating right field and left field and, and getting them <laughs> confused, uh, I cannot confirm or deny if that is true. Okay, uh, gotcha. We'll just say it for dramatic reasons. Um, you know, Blake's it, a professional. I have enjoyed just the getting to know the sport and getting to know, you know, the ins and the outs of what you guys do. I could never do what you guys do. I don't know how the heck you remember all the names and all the stats <laughs> that go with the according names. Um, but man, it was fascinating to, to get to know it. And, you know, coming back after the all-star break, you talk about, I'm just now learning my stride. And then I'm introduced to the trade deadline. Yep. Oh and my what Lord. Happens yes. Then, and how it happens <laughs> and how it goes down and how quickly players can get to the team that they are then traded to. Also not to mention Mark Owens, the end game host was out that weekend. Oh I was filling gosh. in for him. Not to mention it's also Hank Aaron weekend. So balancing huh? <laughs> the language of the trade deadline, right. you know, what waivers, what we, yes, clears, medical we, clearance. Yes. What we picked up from that, uh, the history of the players that we're getting, uh, Adam Duvall, you know, having him coming there, back, coming yeah. back, jocks here, all that. So learning that, uh, I never forget. I'm driving up there on that Friday, and my email is blowing up. My manager Jesse is sending me the press releases as they come out in real time. Of you guys who, were busy at the trade. Who line. the Braves were acquiring, who we were yeah, getting, it was like five or six different trades. Oh my gosh! And they all were coming in at different times, <laughs> and so the roster looks completely different from opening day. Yes. 100%. Then not to mention, it's Hank Aaron weekend. So obviously wanting to carry that and cast the vision well for one of the greatest ball players, not just for the Braves, but of all time that yep. we get a chance to honor. Um, it was really a special weekend. And also, too, to mention, you know, you're coming back after the All-Star break. Acuna's down. I don't think that weekend could have been at a more pivotal time, specifically for Braves country, and just, you know, keeping your eye on the prize, being inspired by the likes of Hank Aaron, um, but also, too, knowing, like, it's not over but you can kind of feel like it's just a lot of people were in that mode of like, is this it? What is this going to be? Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, I don't think we did as well as we hoped we would have done that series against uh, I think yeah, we played we, Milwaukee. It was it, it, the the one right after the trade deadline. We were still sputtering. Mm -hmm. It was like, one of those things like this was a band aid. Will it work? Yeah, right. Work. And it was a slow slow start. You know, yeah, so we you were we know. were still sputtering. It wasn't until August hit when <sighs> things started turning around. Exactly. And so July was just all up in question because yeah. you're like, what is this going to look like? Um, but man, once they hit that stride in August, I mean, you could really start to feel it. It was that long road trip. And I think a lot of people were saying this road trip is either going to make or break mm -hmm. the Braves because we were out on the West Coast. I mean, we had a lot of challenging teams and they did phenomenal on that road trip. And so I think that only created um, the, the sense of urgency and the energy to go ahead and clinch uh, the East and getting back, getting back home. And then, you know, we end up clinching on that Thursday night against Philly. I believe we swept Philly yep. at home. Um, so 
you know, thinking about all that going into it, my goodness, it was just a momentum. And um, I really think, you know, because Braves before have previously clinched way sooner yeah. than yeah. that. This, so, this division was obviously y'all's by it, like towards the end of July, I would say August. Like it's theirs. It's just a matter of time at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Norm- normally, you know, you clinch it, you know, second week of September or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Right. Not well, la- the last week of the season. That race towards the clinch in the division. I-, I don't remember having a conversation like, why are we still talking about this? This is crazy. It, I mean, because you didn't know what was going to happen. It right. really could have been depending on the outcome of that road trip and who we had, because we had Philly at home and we had Mets at home, obviously home field advantage, but right. you never those know. are two great programs. Exactly. So you don't know, you know, what they're, what they're going to bring. And so um, I want to say that, you know, clinching later on in the season really helped us in postseason because we went into it with a sense of, you know, uh, motivation and a sense of urgency of like, we still had that momentum going. You already had been playing playoff games before the season never ended. So it was just like, all right, let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, Blake Eason, the sports anchor. Oh, <laughs> that was great. So good. <laughs> it was I everything correct. Yeah, yeah, you did. Is it, is it the East? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can we, can we please just have him be the number three guy in the That'd sports be great. office? That would be great. Um, like, listen, I've told you guys both this before. I've never been to a college football game or an NFL game. I will gladly be your photog. I will gladly be your producer. <laughs> I will carry all your equipment if I could just come with you. I know. We'll, tr- we'll work out the paperwork on that point. We'll see what exactly. we can do. Because no. uh, those decisions are out of our hands. But if we had it, we'd bring like seven people to yes. these games. I'll get my people to call your people. <laughs> but um, as we march on, now the playoffs happen. And obviously the Braves have been here before. But when you clinch, you clinch that game. And then you get to the pennant. Oh, you man. clinch that. You're going to the World Series Dude. as a pregame. I'm, I'm not like a pregame host. Like you never plan for that. You kind of hope for it, but then you're like, "We're playing in November, guys." Literally, what? <laughs> Dude, I mean, there were so many moments that happened in postseason that were just storybook kind of moments. You know, you got the series against um, the Brewers. You know, we lost Game One yeah. of that, and you know, you, you kind of I don't know why, but it's like those Game One losses. People just write so many stories about them because mm-hmm. they're easy to kind and, of. And so you know, and then of course we had Charlie Morton that night. And so it was kind of one of those, but it was just, I honestly, dude, I'd be willing to think, you know, I, the Brewers are incredible. I'm, I'm curious to know how far would the Brewers have made it had they beat us because I, they, I agree because they people had were pitching them, for days, mm-hmm. pitching for days. And people were writing them in like they could sneaky win the world series with yep. that, with that bullpen, but yep. Braves took care of it. Yep. They, exactly. So, um, they were a really, really great team. Um, and so obviously, uh, there were gosh, the moments kind of get confused. I believe that was the series in which Jock hit that beautiful, October to the chop house. My exactly. And then goodness. Freeman hit the homer in game four to clinch it. Yep. My goodness. And then here come the Dodgers. And so here comes the Dodgers. So let's talk about it. So uh, <laughs> obviously a rematch from the previous year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst thing that could possibly happen. We win three games. They win one. Suddenly the narrative is repeated. Here, here we, we go. go again. Here we go again. I felt a lot better this go around knowing that we were coming back home three and one. That helped a lot. But the Dodgers are going to always be the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta's going to always be Atlanta. Okay? <laughs> I love you. Uh, <laughs> but as Freddie Freeman said, we killed the narrative. Uh, and so that's what they did. You know, came home, clinched it on that Saturday night, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I was just so glad to sleep in on Sunday. Man. Gosh, I just could not imagine having to go back and, you know, being having the series tied up at home. Talk I, about wasn't, a, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no. As a pregame host, though, you know that the energy is already there. You know that the fans are there. How do you do enough to contribute to the environment, not overtake it, though? So for me, my thing is I'm like, I always want to kind of meet people where they are and try to push them to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. But I can confidently tell you the energy of postseason baseball, specifically Braves baseball, 
I've never experienced that for, before in my entire life. It was a new sense of energy in that ballpark and in the battery. Um, I think, you know, with the, the series against the Brewers, you could feel the energy kind of heating up, but things started to take a turn when the Dodgers were mm -hmm. in town. That was the beginning of walking through the battery and not being able to walk through the battery <laughs> because <laughs> it was just that many people there. Um, but then, of course, you know, Dodgers, they, they travel well. Yeah, they so, do. you know, you got, a lot of, you got a lot of Dodgers fans there. Um, and you can feel the energy start to turn. But, man, once, once we got to that series against the Dodgers, I think I just went to a whole new level because <laughs> I just realized that fans were willing to go wherever we wanted to go with it. And if you tell them to scream, they say how loud, you know. <laughs> if you want a free T-shirt, how many can we give away, you know. <laughs> so one of those things. So um, that, was the, that was definitely the turning point in postseason, and that was just only a glimpse at what we would see, you know, Clinching on Saturday night, we'll never forget that moment. I'm sitting up in the uh, in Braves Vision, where all the essentially the control room of what you see on the big screen, and just watching it happen, watching people who have dedicated their entire lives and their professional career, and you know, baseball Braves fans who have been fans, you know, since the '90s, who were wondering if we'd ever go back to the World Series, just watching them in that moment, seeing it all come true. The Braves are going to the World Series. I'm still of the belief that that within a that within itself was you know a a moment to be proud of, regardless Absolutely. of what happens at the World Series. I think just going to it is a spectacle within itself, and so um, you know just thinking, man, here we go. This is this is it. We could be playing baseball uh, in in November. Um, and as much as I would have loved to close it out that last day of October on Sunday night at home, uh, fortunately that wasn't in the cards. They end up having yeah, to go back off. That, that was when I was there. So nervous, a little nervous night. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Remember seeing you and uh, Carissa out there and, you know, it was uh phenomenal coverage, by the way. It was a night of hope for Rex. Uh, it was, it mm -hmm. was. But I, I, when Adam Duvall hit that grand slam, I'm like, I'm going to go find the bar and someone take my car keys because yep. this was rough. And, but me, but meanwhile, when we're over at the battery and it is, I like, could hear the yell from Columbus. Like man. it, was it is absolutely nuclear. Yeah. How loud was that? For, yeah. Let's talk about how loud that when Adam Duvall smacks that thing into Cobb County. So we'll have to turn to Jack because I was actually underneath a carport getting to the battery. Okay, gotcha. When it happened through a tunnel, I could hear a roar. I didn't know why. So you were underground in a tunnel and you yes. could hear the, the a roar. roar. <laughs> and I thought that was a loud one. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why what or happened? how. And so I get out and then I see Jack and Carissa and you're like, he just hit a grand slam. I said, excuse me. <laughs> and Look so, at the score for nothing. Know, yeah. It, yep. it is like a just. One of the most insane scenes I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like, was, he was underground and he hurt. Literally. Like, and it's like, I, I think, I was like, is, is it about to come down? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, this is how it ends. This was fun. Like, I genuinely, I was genuinely concerned. Like, I wonder, would that have made us a, 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 a reading on the Richter scale? <laughs> yeah, because it was that loud. Like, the place was yep. thunderous. I I've never experienced anything like it. The roars that went through that stadium, I mean, just unlike anything. And then you got to think, too, the battery. It, you could not walk. No. Like, I've never had to go that tunnel route that I just referred to, ever. Ever in life. <laughs> but until I realized there was no possible way, when security says, I, you're not going to get there. When I, listen, how we got to the battery, me and Carissa got to the battery that night, I don't know. Where did y'all park? How far away we, did you park? We parked in the... Right off of Circle 75 Parkway. So it's not like we had to park a far distance. But once we got to the stadium, yep. like we came down the stairs next to the red deck to go into the inside the battery, 
And I'm like, oh, my God. And then, hey, I see Blake. <laughs> and then me and Carissa, we have all this equipment, and we're trying to figure out how on earth are we going to get to the – because, like, I know where to go. Right. Kind of. But <laughs> With that many how people? on earth are we going to get there? <laughs> right. So, like, we are jumping over plants and stuff, and then we, we're finding any open gap we can – uh, it's I, a timing I, thing on the phone. Like, go I, now. I realize, right. okay, we can't go this way over, you know, straight in like you normally would. So let's see if we can go around the restaurants, come back over by the Valley Sports set. We see if we can get in that way. We can't get nope. in that way. Mm-hmm. Wrong one. So i like, okay, you know what? I um, I have one of my buddies, um, Joe Ripley, who used to work here at WRBL. He works for 11 Alive up there now. He was on site at the stadium. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get Joe, see if he can help me get around, right? And he points to me like, you know, maybe try this. They're going to get ready to open things up. And sure enough, like right as we start walking that way, they open things up. And my God, we <laughs> see of people, right? Like we literally, me and Carissa literally got in there. And once we got in there and sat our stuff down and picked out our spot, we literally just hugged each other. It was like, we made it. Don't and move. The, the best part was I saw that moment happen. They didn't see me. And oh, so wow. as they're hugging, I walk up and I was like, yo, can I get a hug too? <laughs> like, Blake. Like, what's up? That's amazing. Um, like, it, like, it was, a, I guess, the closest thing I've ever been to, a, like, a mosh pit. Like, yep. like, it is just the amount of humanity that was at the battery for game five, especially because, you know, it was the one home game where the Braves could clinch. A World Series at home. Like Imagine. Crazy. crazy. Insane. And so, praise God for press passes because <laughs> <laughs> it would not have been possible without them. Like, listen, they told us that we could get it, like, Listen, you can be on the property, but pretty much anything else, you're on your own. Yeah, right. Good luck. Like, I hope you make it out alive. <laughs> pretty much. Literally. Let's go to out 27. Braves do it. Braves win the world freaking series. So that night was crazy. Uh, I did not have any roles at the Braves. So I asked our news director, Connor, hey, would you mind if I go to the watch party and cover it for us like as news three and just get fan reactions just in case something happens. And uh, he says, yeah, go for it. But uh, you got to be here for the morning show the next morning. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a lot of coffee today. Here we go. So I went home, took an hour nap, got up, came here, drove to the stadium, parked. Just the feeling of it all was just so weird. One, they, I think they sold way more tickets for that watch party than they were anticipating. And that was when you were kind of like, the city understands the gravity of this moment. Right. Um, and so end up covering that in, you know, in the press box. And it's such a different reality from when there's a game versus when they're not because most of sports journalists and everyone else is at the, the field where they're playing at versus right. at home. It's an empty press box. I'm just sitting in there with a you know, couple other people, like empty, completely silent, um, watching it all unfold. Um, and then I, you know, the beginning of that game was very nerve-wracking when the situation happened with Max Freed at mm-hmm. first base. Um, but I like to th- say that that just unlocked Mad Max. And oh, yeah. The way, yeah. To, the way to piss off Max is to step on his ankle, and yep. Houston learned I mean, that very quickly. I mean, very quickly. I thought he got Tim Hudson. and That's, that's what a lot of people were yep. bringing up. Because like that looked identical to what happened to Tim Hudson in New York. Right. So I, that was the first thing I was like, oh, my gosh, we just lost free. Like, we lost Morton, and now we lost free. Like, exactly. And free would have been struggling this entire postseason. Exactly. But and our then, best, one of our best pitchers during the regular season. Exactly. Right. And like Rex said, it's like a switch flipped. Right. And Game I mean, on. It's you like, literally could see it on that strikeout to get us out of that inning. You know, mad. That was when it was like, he's in this for the long call. Game he, on. He wants to fight. Let's do it. <laughs> and then next up, and Jorge Soler. 
Bye-bye. How loud was that stadium for that moonshot? Has anybody found the ball yet? No, not yet. No. <laughs> I mean, literally. I thought, it, I thought it landed in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, my favorite part of it was the stop and stare. I mean, Acuna has a really nice stop and he has stare. He a good bat flip, yeah. But my goodness, he just, the, the pure power yeah. of when he watched it go, it just was like, man. It was one of those, right off the bat, he's staring at him like, look, if you hit something yep. that hard, where it literally leaves the property of Minute Maid Park. Do whatever you want. Literally. Do whatever, whatever you want to do. You no did. one can argue about you being, you know, showboating. Right. Whatever it's the can. World Series. Yes. I mean, it's one of the longest home runs I've ever seen in Minute Maid Park. I yep. think a real story, though, someone found the ball in a watch party yes. across the street from Minute Maid Park. And which... it's like when that ball stumbles up on that watch party, I <laughs> wish I could have seen the reaction. It's like, oh, baseball, what do you guys want to do with this? And it's like, <laughs> hey, well, no. who has the ball? No, this is the ball that we, that we saw just go in outer it's space. It's a very pivotal ball. Hold yeah. on to that yeah. one as long as you can. It just Wasn't went. a 3-2 count with him? Or two? I, I, did he have two it was, He was down. He was down yeah, in the count. It was, oh, it was a pitcher's count. It was but a pitcher's count. So. I saw that. I was like, yeah, that's that's landing on Wednesday. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Maybe it'll land by the time the parade happened. I don't know. <laughs> um, so Into anyways. the solar system. So that started happening. But you know how it is. I mean, you know, when you see a grand slam from Adam Duvall on Sunday night, you know, at home, mm-hmm. you, you think you got it in the bag. You don't no. because you're you're playing a really good team, a really good base hitting baseball team. And, and not only that, it's Atlanta sports, so exactly we got to talk about it. You know, we <laughs> we killed the narrative with the Dodgers, but uh, there's a bigger narrative, narrative against us, right? Um, and so watching it kind of go on, but there were so many moments. I mean, Dansby had one, um, and you could just really see that. I think it was when we got to about the seventh inning. You thought, all right, here we go. I think when Freeman hit the home run. God. That's when it started clicking. Funny story. I actually went around our studio like, hey, I just want to say congratulations. Freddie did it. (laughs) But being Atlanta sports fans, everyone ran the other direction 100 miles. Like, it's no, you stop right now. Yep. I'm not believing it. I'm like, dude, it's done. Like, I I get that. I get the Astros have Altuve and I get we have Jordan and and Correa, but they're not hitting well. Right. So congratulations. Go away, Rex. Go away. We understand you're trying to be nice and polite and, you know, (laughs) exhibit good sportsmanship, but understand that we have been traumatized. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we, 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 we can't take any more moments. So I appreciate your kindness. And I want to say you navigated this whole thing extremely well. Beautifully. As an Atlanta sports fan, I could not be you. Like seriously, (laughs) I'm not there mentally yet. Like Like, seriously, I need a couple more moments to just say we're in this thing, you know? Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where you just didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and so as it started to go down, and then we get to the uh, the bottom of the ninth, I believe, the ninth inning, I head down from the press box to the field, and I just wanted to, instead of watching the game, I actually n- didn't watch the final out on Fair, the, yeah. the, the, the Braves vision. I wanted to see the fans' reaction. And so mm-hmm. just had my phone videotaped. It's still one of the best videos that I have on my phone. Um, just a roar, a jump, an excitement. There was almost, it was so loud, it was quiet, if that kind of makes sense. That almost does make sense. Because almost like an out-of-body experience. Yes, because it's so loud. It all Once you reach a certain level of loudness, it all just becomes like the same. And yeah, so you're yeah. like, am I living in a dream right now? Mm-hmm. And we were. And one of the, <laughs> I, was, I went live on Instagram, and I'm like running around going crazy, like showing fans. And, and then uh, one guy next to me is like, Merry Christmas, Atlanta. Merry Christmas, Atlanta. I'm like, yeah, I can imagine sense. this is what Christmas morning feels like in Atlanta. Yeah, like, this, this makes sense. It's insane, man. It's it's still, I don't know about you, but it still doesn't quite feel real. No, I mean, you see, you know, it's You're always. Wearing the t-shirt. Wearing the t-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, at, you know, watch, watching baseball over and over again. You're used to seeing the World Series champion merch come out at all the stores across the country, regardless if it's your hometown right. team yeah. or not. But seeing the Atlanta Braves logo on the merch you know, on in the stores, 
it just still doesn't. I don't know if it'll ever feel real. Like maybe next season, when like we're it, the, I don't know. Like maybe the trophy reveal. I mean, the, the banner reveal next season or anything like that. I thought the parade would put it into perspective, uh, but even then, you still feel like it's an out of body experience. Yeah. So like we're at a World Series parade for the hometown team Is for the Atlanta Braves. Like this just doesn't make. We were so close. <sighs> you know, I mean, we've been stay in the moment. Stay, stay in the, the moment. moment. Okay, it's a beautiful moment. moment. <laughs> but, you know, but, the thing, but the thing is, Blake's right, though. You know, we've been so close so many times. Were you talking about both times with the Falcons in the Super Bowl? I mean, the first yeah. time with, you know, Elway riding off into the sunset yeah. and then uh, Brady becoming Brady. And then, you know, 28 to 3. And then, you know, you talk about, you look at some of the other teams, you know, you look at the Hawks having the best record in the East and then LeBron sweeps them out of the Eastern Conference Finals. <sighs> I mean, you know, and then let's for everyone listening in in the podcast world. Jack has given me this speech off the top of his head for like twenty minutes about Atlanta heartbreak. Yes, like this is and ridiculous. it's a very much a real thing. I it, think people could write a book on it. Like seriously, good. Like probably <laughs> good. Probably good. I mean, the thing the thing is, man, is you know, it's a real thing. I know people that are not from Atlanta, you know, don't really get it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard to understand. But at the same time, like, it's a legitimate thing. And, it, you know, I know people say, oh, we just didn't care about sports that much. But when you care about your teams and everything, and then you see them get to al- almost get to the pinnacle of their sport, yep. you know, whether whether it's a World Series or an NBA Finals or a Super Bowl or a national championship in Georgia's case, you know, when you get to that point and then you literally snatch defeat from the jaws of victory uh-huh. in seemingly more creative ways <laughs> every time. Right. Like, it's hard for you not to be heartbroken and traumatized. Exactly. Oftentimes when it has to do with things that are just simply out of their control. I mean, when you think about the brave season and all the adversity that they face, that's what I think makes this win all the more special, you know, especially when you go up against a team like the Dodgers that just has a lot of money and can invest in really good players. They were exactly. built for that championship. They it, were seriously built mm-hmm. for that. Exactly. And let's just go ahead and be honest. All the networks were calling it for that. You know, yeah. everyone did. And everyone wanted that. You, you know, it's kind of one of those. I, I, I would say the networks wanted Boston and, and the Dodgers. Yeah, know, exactly. In the World Series. What I loved is that we got the two underdogs, essentially. We got the Astros and we got the Braves, both of which that were not the network's favorites in the biggest game of baseball. That's what I loved about it, too. There were articles coming out like man not the two best teams the two best not we not we're not watching the two best teams in the world series like, right. ah, you're like enjoy it you're like nah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I enjoy off season yeah hope, exactly. hope you guys like it um right. I, we're running out of time though like we can go another Dude. three hours but at the same time i think it's a real testament the, the career you built for yourself it didn't come in easy. a short amount of time in a very short amount of time i know that you said you went to kennesaw state and you you've seen grady um grady grads all credit to them oh, because man, you, went, yeah. you went to you guys. You guys work your tail off, but yeah, there are times where I feel like the underdog too. I went to University of Texas San Antonio, and I know that if I apply to jobs in Texas, I'm going to lose the Longhorns, Longhorn grads. Jack is, you know, going to Columbus State. And yeah, and Fort, Fort, ba- a, went a to Fort Pro- Valley and then Columbus State. So, so as a, as an underdog, if you're listening to this, it's very possible. And 100. And I think again, you're just the testament to that. Have you taken a step back, like? I just was the pregame host for a world championship team. No. And I'm living this dream of, of being a morning anchor. I try to pinch myself. Uh, try, yeah, to Jack's point, it still doesn't feel real. I don't know when it will feel real. I'm just kind of living in the moment of, like, 
this just happened and yeah. we're going to ride this wave as long as we can. Yeah. Um, never could have, you know, I told someone the other day, it's like, you don't sign up for a job like the pregame host to say, Oh, what if we win the world series? It's like, no, you just work for the hometown team. And that within itself is something to be proud of. Yeah. And, um, you know, the postseason, there's a possibility of it. Um, but no one ever really factors in, you don't, set your calendar date to say, okay, I'm gonna be, we're going to be in the postseason in October. Mm-hmm. That's not a given. Not everyone makes it that far, mm-hmm. um, especially to the World Series, the biggest stage um, in baseball. And so, uh, dude, it just feels so surreal, so grateful. Um, it, it made it made it all worth it. And to your point with the underdogs thing, man, I think it's just, you know, um, there's a there's got to be a lot of fight in you to, if you, if you want to make it. And, and that's what I love about the team, too, you know. The Braves are essentially underdogs, you yeah. know, when they navigated all that they went through from the injuries to losing Acuna, um, you know, pulling to, all those guys together and, you know, last minute. And then, you know, that article that, you know, that came out from from Jock right around the postseason. That was when I began to kind of think, man, this team is built different. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, exactly. Um, they have a lot of heart, man. And I think that's what makes those uh, when we lose those big pivotal games mm-hmm. just hurt even more because yeah. you watch a team with so much heart. Um, but also, too, when you watch a parade with the Braves. Um, and you see a city united and rallied together like never before. It's because they've been longing for that for so long. And I just think that um, united front was what Atlanta needed, what Georgia needed. I mean, you had you had a, a legit generation, our generation, mm-hmm. who had either was too young for the Braves World Championship or wasn't born when it happened. Yeah. Dude, such a great point. This will be the moment we tell our kids about. Exactly. Fair. You know, we lived in a historic moment, you know, and – uh, our job allows us a, a, <laughs> a front row though. seat to history. And so these are the moments you kind of have to journal about and really take a picture of in your mind because this is what makes the late nights, the long nights, the no sleep, the no nap, no coffee, uh, or coffee to where you're literally shaking or all you worth know, it. Just a function at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blake, you've been a wonderful guest. Dude, thank you guys for having yes. me on here. I was so nervous. I was like, oh, God, they're going to ask me sports questions. What's a running back? <laughs> What's a running back? <laughs> there is one question we got to ask you, and Jack, go ahead and dish it up. So we have this tradition here on, on your sidelines, Blake, that with on with the caveat that you have to help us do it, who would you like to sit in that chair? Who would you like to see us interview next? Oh, man, you put me on the spot for that one. Um, does it have to be sports-related, or can it be – Probably sports related, right? Maybe a little tied to the sports. Okay. I mean, let, let's be honest. You're not exactly completely sports either. But you, you know? were, but, but you are fantastic. Yes, yeah. exactly. So you know, like I said, it's gotta 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 have a tie in sports. Can I can I give you two and just divide them up? Sure, sure. Okay, so the first one obviously comes to my mind, uh, Freddie Freeman. You know, of course, with all that he's navigated, playing for a team like mm-hmm. the Braves, we're in a very pivotal moment of his career. The Braves. You know, sign Freddie, sign Freddie, sign Freddie. Sign the man. Please, 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 please. Whatever he wants, literally. <laughs> Give him, him the city. You fill in the number. Hand him a blank check. Rename the stadium after him. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. Um, and so just hearing, I think his leadership, you, you, you hear the stories about it. He touches on it briefly. He's so humble. Um, but I would love to kind of know the ins and the outs because a lot of people, you know, no one talks about how lonely leadership is, you know, how, how lonely this business is, how lonely it is to lead a team that's going through adversity. Um, you know, the sacrifices you have to make, uh, we all can speak to that in the business. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. We are all still here. I don't know about you, but a lot of my friends are already at home on vacation. Yeah. They're they're helping helping out with dishes right now. And just now we're working. I can't relate to that, you know? Um, but then another person that I would love to talk to is Michael Strahan, hearing about his journey, uh, from the football field to, 
to making it to one of the biggest uh, you know Morning platforms show. in television. Exactly. So, um, how he's been able to do that, and then also too, the guy's a full on entrepreneur. I mean, yeah, goodness. Yeah. I mean, he has so many different businesses, and the way he's able to uh, to balance it all is is pretty fascinating. That was the first one that came to mind. I don't know why, but. Um, all right. we'll, I'll get on the phone and make some calls today. Well, when Blake Easton calls Michael Strahan, we'll let you guys know when <laughs> Every, that episode rolls out. <laughs> yeah, and, and they forward my call. Um, <laughs> I have no idea if this is I'm a real blocked. person. <laughs> it's like, uh, Connor Hackley, some guy named Blake keeps calling us. <laughs> well, if you to? give him what he wants, he'll leave you alone. Right. So we're going to follow a restraining order. <laughs> Blake, thank you so much, man. we got to wrap this up, but hang out for a little bit. Jack, uh, yet again, another inspirational guest to t- talk about the underdog mentality. You can make the life you want. You just got to keep getting up. I am so proud to be a colleague of Blake and what he's done here at WRBL has been amazing. Exactly. You know, and I, I saw it from the kind of the get go. You know, yeah. I, we know we had a time. Blake is going to laugh at this. You know, when we were covering the uh, mid the uh, primaries in Georgia and, you know, learn, I remember le- you telling me about the story. Le- learn that man's story, man. It's absolutely inspiring and incredible. And Glad that you guys get to hear it and got, get to know Blake better. He's an incredible member of our team. And, man, just another inspiring story that we've heard on, on your sidelines today. This is the second podcast he's done at WRBL. Got to give a ch- uh, shout-out to Chuck Williams and that show. We also had a conversation at Waffle House. If you know, you know. Yes. It's good stuff. Check it out on WRBL.com. But, Jack, let's wrap this thing up. All right, Rex, tell them where you can find us. That's on me. So, guys, you can check out this podcast here at Spotify. Um, on iHeart and on Apple Podcasts, wherever you, guys, wherever you guys can find it. We're also always streaming live at WRBL.com every other Tuesday, and you can find this full episode there. Jack, we also share this thing on social media. Where can they find us there? You can find Rex on Twitter at Rex Castillo TV. Myself at J Patterson TV. You can follow us on Facebook as well. WRBL Rex Castillo, WRBL Jack Patterson. And, of course, you can follow the News 3 Sports team on Twitter at WRBL Sports on Twitter, WRBL News 3 Sports on Facebook. Hey, Rex, take us home, my man. Another great episode with the Blake Eason. Of course, all we have to do is get Freddie Freeman or Michael Strahan on the phone. But that'll be fun. Again, a, a guy who does an amazing job here at the station. Make sure to check out WRBL News 3 this morning. Him and our morning team. Up at crazy hours, but do a yeah. great job. 5 a.m. 4 Central every weekday. Woo, Check out our squad. Wee. Crystal, Blake, Nicole, they are all fantastic. Give them a watch. Five-star recruits, y'all. Well, guys, thank exactly. you so much for joining us here on this episode of On Your Sidelines. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Catch y'all in a couple weeks, y'all.